Hello, and welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we tell the untold adventures of Disney cast members. I'm your host, Brian McDevitt Jr., and we have a great show here for you today. I have uh, Dak, who is a two-time college program alumni, just like me. He worked uh, merchandise in Future World of Epcot and also food and beverage in Adventureland. He is currently working in banking and finance. We're going to talk about his uh, adventure in working food and beverage on Thanksgiving, his uh, participation in the Food and Wine Festival, and how important he learned a small plush can be to a child. Now, before we move on, I want to be clear. I'm going to stumble over my words a lot during this podcast, and I just need you to get on board with it. I'm sorry. I just need you to be a supportive audience. Thank you. Now, on that note of being supportive, please remember to like and subscribe and share the video. In addition, follow us on all of our social media. Links are in the description for your convenience. We're here for you. Now, uh, one last uh, bit of house cleaning. Uh, if you are a current or former cast member and want to share your story with us, please remember to reach out. Uh, we want to hear from all parts of the com company's employees. You don't have to be a theme park cast member. And I'd like to remind Kevin Feige about his open invitation to join us on this program. Anytime you're ready and want to got a free time from the Marvel movies, I know you're busy, but we're here. We will work with your schedule, my friend. Until then, let's move on to Dak. Let's bring him onto the show and let the adventure begin. Hello, Dak. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, of course. Thank you for being here. Let's uh, jump right in. Uh, I, for the first few interviews, I want people to explain what the Disney College program is, because I think most people get really confused when you tell them Disney has a college. <laughs> and that's probably the first thing. They're like, wait, does Disney has a university? Technically, they do have Disney University, but it's not the university you think it is. Um, they, they aren't accredited. No, no, no they're not accredited. Uh, well, yeah, hold, I mean, hold up. You can get some college credits. I don't want to well, lose. Yes. They're, they're, you can get yeah, some college credits, but, but not, not technically college. a university. Yes. Um, I, I looked at it as a internship where you would learn like, you know, technical skills or customer service skills or anything that you want to do in hospitality, uh, management, uh, maybe engineering and things like that. So that, when I learned about it, that's what I assumed it was about. Like any internship you take anywhere you go. So um, I looked at it that way and I was like, oh, this seems like a great opportunity to kind of learn these new skills and, and different things. And while doing it, working at Disney would be kind of an added benefit. So that was my Sweet. takeaway from it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to put it um, into like a little sentence, basically the college program is a one semester work internship where you go work in the theme parks and uh, you get college credit if you want it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah. Sums it up. So so how did you get to the program? How did you find out about it? Why did you want to do it? Um, I think I've heard about it for like years and. Um, I was recently going through a couple internships while I was in school anyway. I was working at, um, at the time, at the Bay Area Transportation Unit, which is technically BART in the Bay Area, for anyone who's from the Bay Area. And I was interning for them for a while and doing like media things. I was looking at other internships for my, my college program, or for my program in college. And my friend kept saying, you should work for Disney, you should work for Disney. I'm like, I'm not going to Florida. Like, that's just too far. Now, I will say there's a program in California you can do in Anaheim. But for some reason, Disney World just seemed like the place to go. Nothing against Anaheim, but, you know, Disney World is kind of the big grand place to go. 
And I said, all right, I'll apply. And I did apply. And I did the interview process, went through everything and got in. And then I just said, no, just turned it down, flat out. And oh, wait, hold on. Your first program you turned down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just think I just wasn't ready at the time. I just, I, I did it just on a whim and I didn't think I was going to get in. And then I just said, I just wasn't ready. So I said, no. Then the second year came around and this was 2010. In the fall of 2010, my best friend was like, listen, you've already got turned out. Like, you know, you turned it down once. I'm pretty sure because they had reached out to me again to apply. And I said, I don't know. Like, I got to go to Florida. I kind of like it here in the Bay Area. I'm like, I don't want to go. And then. My best friend was like, listen, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. He's like, I think you should just do it. And I said, all right, fine. Just put it out there. Go for it. Applied. And then I said, it's going to do it. So I left that fall, like into summer, I guess August, like fall. And I did the program um, in Walt Disney World. Wow. Okay. So um, it took you a while to, to talk yourself into it, I guess. What was uh, holding you <laughs> <Yeah>. back? <laughs> you know, it, I think any young person, I, I think, goes to the, the product of, A, you probably do really want to get away sometimes, or sometimes you are just very comfortable where you are, and you just don't mm-hmm. know for sure if you want to make that big leap. Because I do think coming into a program like this is, is can be a big leap for a lot of people um, if they come Absolutely. to small towns. And I mean, I grew up in a big city. I grew up in the Bay Area, in like San Francisco, Oakland and stuff. So that wasn't an issue. But it was more of like, you're leaving friends and family behind, or maybe you're almost done with school and like you don't want to take that risk, you know? And it just was a lot of back and forth. And so... I literally just had to look at where I was in my life at that time and say, I can either take a risk and do this or I can sit back and regret it. And I'm one of those people like, if I don't do something, it's going to like bug me forever. And I'm like, I didn't want this hanging out for me. So I was like, you know what? This is the second time around. This is probably a sign I should do it. And so I is said- Is this the first time you left home? No, because I, I literally had been traveling a lot. My So technically my mm-hmm. quick background, my parents divorced when I was little. So my dad lived in New York. My mom lived in Oakland in the Bay Area. So I was always back and forth most of my life. And I had family in Florida anyway. So I had family in St. Pete. So I had always been out and about traveling for the summers. But this probably would have been probably one of the bigger moves I did because I lived in L.A. for a while um, before this. And I did like my little stint of being in L.A. for like a year. And I was like, oh, I don't really consider that moving because it's in the same state. So this is probably one of the bigger cross-country full-time moves I would have had. And so that was probably kind of a big deal for me at the time. And I was like, you know, it was a six month program. I think it was like six or eight months, something like that. Six, six. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on when you go. When and, you do uh, oh, yeah. um, also like there's the um, ex- advanced program. Was it called? Yeah. What do they call it when you went in May instead uh, of September? It was fall advantage. Yeah. Vantage. That's right. Yes. Fall advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So mine was the original one. So it was, you know, it was six months, you know, coming in the fall and, you know, it's still a big deal. So I just was kind of nervous. But after a while, I just had to get over my nerves and just realize, listen, it's an experience, it's an opportunity. And how often you get to say you've worked for Disney? So and I'd say my best friend had a lot to do with it. So she she's probably the one I should give credit to. So I just finally did it. Um, cool. So uh, you built up the courage to go face the Gators and um <laughs> Colorful folk, we'll call them in Florida. And what was that like, stepping off the plane? Uh, how was the adjustment? You know, it wasn't. It, so as I said earlier, I had family in St. Petersburg, Tampa area. So I used to visit them all the time. Okay. So I figured Orlando was no different. You know, like it was probably the same exact thing. It wasn't a big deal. So I was like, 
Orlando should be that different. I will say, though, coming from the West Coast and the sunshine and, and the cool breeze air and stuff, that humidity was no, like, joke. Like, I was like, do I have to shower every day doing this? Like, do I have to be outside? Like, this is just ridiculous. Like, I've had it before. I visit my family. I was like, oh, great. I do it. I'm going to go back home. This is great. No, this time I had to stay for six months. I'm like, oh, God. Like, humidity was just, uh, that was a lot for me. I, I, that was the one thing that they get me. Multiple showers a day. Yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> um, so you, uh, then first step would have been going to the apartment complexes, right? What was yeah. uh, that like, meeting your new best friends for six months? You know, so I, maybe I, I don't consider, well, maybe I consider cheating. But what I had did was when I officially found out I got in, you usually find out maybe, what, two or three months before you go? Yeah, something like something that. that. Um, we had started a group and our, at the time we had a Facebook group and we had found a way to like connect with other people who were going to be in a program. So we found other kids who were going to be in the fall program and we started like a Facebook messenger or they had messenger back then, but they had like a Facebook group and we would chat, we would talk, we would zoom, you know, we would, whatever technology was, I'm feel like I'm saying how old I am at this point, but, uh, it was like, you had a way to connect. And so we had this whole group we talked to. And it was so great because how we met our roommates. Uh, we met like, we were like, we're going to do this when we get here. We're going to try these different things. And when I got there, of course, I met new people on the way. But because I've already made these friends like in this group and, you know, and videoed and everything else. And we got to actually see each other in person. It didn't feel too weird. So it was more of like we just kind of, I guess, meet in real life. But like we had been talking for months and like connecting. So it was great. And the only people we didn't know who weren't in my group were the two roommates that we didn't have that were in our group. So, um, and that was fine. And we met them. And I think everyone is like on a high of being there. Like people were like, this is Disney. I'm excited to be here. Like everyone's super nice. Everyone's just excited for the journey. So everyone's just kind of like amped in that way and kind of maybe a little nervous, but not really showing it. So it, the first day checking in was actually, it was pretty nice to go through that process. Yeah. Yeah, their system's really thorough with uh, making sure you know a few months advance that you're coming yeah. in and you can make all the preparations. I'm hoping eventually that I find like the one guy that was like a replacement pick and like <laughs> had to rush down to Florida with like three days notice. I really want to find that story. I hope it exists. I, Reach I, I, out if that's to. you. It has to. It has to be a way. There's no, I, I'm sure to someone who just was like, oh, I'm gonna go down to Orlando. I have no prep and just do it so just I'm, for the comedic value i just i, yeah. I want it to exist so <laughs> uh, eventually i'll find it. it let me know you find it i hope so <laughs> um we'll do a big social media push if i find that person yeah, just yeah. like it happened it happened it happened i believe found it. the chosen one i believe it i believe it um, okay. So, um, what about traditions? I haven't talked about traditions too much. Like, so you, you did you know your job before you were going in or like where you're going to locate, be located or anything like that? I, if I remember correctly, they tell you the role you have. So I had, um, a quick service food and beverage, but you didn't learn your location until you got through, um, I, I guess casting. And then they would set you up at traditions that would put you in your groups of where you're supposed to go or, you know, your department, your theme park, where case is. So I remember when I got to the casting building, because they put you to the casting where you go there, they make sure everything's good. And they say, okay, here's your name tag. And then they say, this is the location going in. They give you this sheet, which 
I know people probably still have this sheet. I don't know where mine is, but it tells you like where you're working at, your location, your training, this and this, this is your traditions and blah, blah, blah. So that's when I found out of all places, I'd be working at the Magic Kingdom. I was like, of course they put me at the Magic Kingdom. Like, mm-hmm. where else would they put me? It's fine. And, um, which I was kind of excited. Where else do you put the king? I, I, <laughs> well, where else do you put a king? I look at it in the way of like, you know, if you really want to have a Walt Disney World experience, why not start at the park that started all? So mm-hmm. at that time, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, okay, I, I can live with that. So, um, yeah, they told us our, our place and then they gave you the days. And then you had, I think you maybe had like the rest of the day to relax that day, if I remember correctly. And then like the next day, you either had training or you had a, Another day of relaxation, and he had another day to go to Traditions um, at Disney University, or their version of Disney University. And I would say Traditions probably was one of the kind of cooler, cooler experiences, only because it just taught you so much of the Disney history that you maybe didn't know. Um, and you got to learn so much more. I was never a real huge Disney person. Um, mm-hmm. I, sadly, I am now. But I only knew, <laughs> I only knew like the Lion King, you know, the the movies, you know, Little Mermaid, you know what I mean? And I really didn't like or connect with Disney until I saw Toy Story. So for me, I was what we used to call the Pixar era kind of kids. Like that was kind of like my stuff. So anything from like Pixar. So on, you cried during Toy Story 3. You were, I, is that what you're telling I, me? I, I, I had a twinge of like a little like heart. I didn't want to, but I did. Yeah, it was it was a lot, you know, full it's circle, okay. full circle, full Strong circle. Strong men cry. I know. Sorry, um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I came in during that era. So like people, these all ask us, oh, what do you like from Disney? This and that. I was like, if it's not Lion King, A Little Mermaid, or maybe Beauty and Beast, I don't know what you're talking about. So it was kind of fun to kind of understand a certain levels of where things came from and like Walt's vision and dreams and things like that. So. That was kind of one of the cool experiences to really understand and go through that. And the teachers made it really interactive and fun and not like a boring traditional training you go through at any job you go. Not that anything's wrong with some jobs have fun with their training. Some it's just training. I mean, Disney training is just like you just learn so much. And you watch a lot of videos, which makes it more entertaining. And it gets you more like pumped and excited to do it. So um, traditions is amazing. I will say that was a really great experience. And since you are a two-time alumni like myself, um, could you tell the audience like both of your roles so when we're switching around and when they happen yeah. so that they can keep the timeline in track? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that so all this that we're speaking about was my first program. And I took about a six-month break and went back to New York City. And then I came back um, the fall, the fall of Vantage, um, 2011. So took a quick break. I actually wouldn't say six months. It probably was maybe only from January to May, I guess that's five months. But yeah, I went back in that that May of 2011. And then I did uh, merchandise at Epcot the second time. So I ended, I ended up getting like both parks like right off the back. So got MK and then I got Epcot. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, let's uh, pivot a little bit. Let's talk about uh, what food and beverage was like in Adventureland. Um, challenging. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was um, not what I expected. Um, I've never, I, I've been a server. So I I just assumed it was like, you know, you're a server at a restaurant as a kid. I did that a lot during college. I thought, oh, you serve food and, you know, bust your tables, clean, you know, take orders. That's what I assumed it was. Apparently, Disney has a whole different level of what that means. And I did not read into that. And so, ideally, you... Yeah. Oh, I was going to add the... Uh, I remember, because when I worked at Pizza Planet, speaking to this, uh-huh. the line would wrap around the building... And oh. it, we would just be constantly busy all day. 
Yes. And then I remember when I went to go work at a movie theater afterwards, there'd be a line of like 10 people and someone <laughs> turned to me and went, get ready. This is our rush. And I'm like, oh, this is busy for you. That's adorable. <laughs> You're like, that's nothing compared to what we know. Uh, yeah, I got it, this. Yes. Um, I was not prepared for that. So I will say that was definitely <clears throat> a culture shock. And especially being, you know, if anyone knows what the Magic Kingdom, that park is probably the most popular, most busiest park because that's all people really know. And I think of Disney World, I think of Magic Kingdom, I think of other parks. So working there, I was very nervous. Um, it was kind of like, I don't want to say an assembly line, but it was more of like, okay, burritos, tacos, go send them out or they switch us off and then we're like taking the orders and, and put in the computer and running through people. And so it was very fast paced. So you had to really be on top of your toes, but there were slow times. So I don't want to say it was always busy. There were times where it wasn't busy and it was like, you know, you kind of hang around and talk to kids or talk to kids or, you know, interact with the guests. But during those busy times, oh man. And that was mostly like holidays, um, which were just, uh, insane to me that that many people want to come to a theme park on a holiday i just i Absolutely. never understood that so it was fun yeah, was no, the, the crowds were interesting and i was like a dope at the time and <laughs> i like had this high energy level which i'm trying yeah. to reattain again <laughs> and i remember i would like be re- doing really dopey stuff dopey stuff dopey yeah that. And like, I remember one thing is like when I was running back and forth doing the orders, I would like do like the Mario one up thing for some reason. <laughs> I forget what my logic was to, right. but I was just trying to make it fun. <laughs> I mean, you, that's the thing. You have to make it your own. And I, and I, I will say for sure, I, I made such a great bond with some of the people I worked with because a lot of times you don't work with your roommates that you are housed with, mm-hmm. which I think is also really great because you get to learn mm-hmm. like what their roles are. And so you kind of like collaborate and talk about these different roles and, and places you are in the park and whatever the case may be. And so I was lucky enough to have really great friends who are still my friends to this day um, that we worked in. And we would just like go through the rum of it and just like make it happen. But I, I will say like having that core group of friends I made made work in there so much more fun. And I think that's probably one of the aspects of the college program because you meet so many like great people. I mean, so many not so great people. But either way, it's an experience. You learn and you end up bonding with people that become friends for life. You know, I ended up going to two of my friend's weddings like two years ago who I've met in my first college program, you know. So um, that was definitely um, a great way to make friends, but also get you through the day because it could be a lot. I will say it could be a lot. Two of my friends ditched their kids and joined me in Vegas, Vegas for my 30th. So (laughs) these are bonds for life, people. If you go, understand these people will be around forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I mean, that is actually kind of interesting, these two track of friends, because I never really considered that before. I definitely did have my work friends, which Mm-hmm. And then you would sometimes mix them up with your roommate friends. But I do think I would hang out with my roommate friends just because of the nature of the dynamic more. Yeah. And I think it depended. Some people had like great like roommate interactions, um, some mm-hmm. not so great. You know, I, that always happens. It just happens in college, you know. So it really was a yeah. full kind of college experience. You're either going to have a good roommate or you're going to have a bad roommate. But I think what also with the housing program, we made it great was that you had events on prop or you know on your living space oh why i can't think of the word to say common areas or where the case you want to put it but they always had so much for you guys to interact and talk and so and they did a lot of activities to kind of bring people together and so that just made it better because 
Then you had friends who worked at certain other places you didn't know about, or you can go visit them at their locations and you would be able just to interact and understand so much more. So I thought that was great. Um, I mean, my roommates, we actually shockingly got along for the most part. We didn't try to kill each other most of the time, which is good. Most so, of the time. I mean, sometimes I mean, it's just going to happen. There's nothing yeah. you can do about that. Listen, you know, we're guys. So like sometimes we just need to duke it out and then we're fine. But I think for the most part, we just would just have an argument, get over it and just move on and be fine. You know, so but I was probably one of the luckier ones. So some people just had to get like new roommates and just couldn't be bothered. That person had to just, you know, get rid of them. It just depends on your situation. But I wouldn't let people deter that because um, the whole point of the program, along with learning and, and working, is, is to I believe to build bonds and to build relationships. And this helps you in any level of work you do, you know, any level of communication, any levels of, you know, partnerships and things you want to do down the line in any career you go, it teaches those kind of like people skills. And I think that's a good thing that we learned because I came in pretty shy a little bit. Like people find that shocking. I say that, but I just was not like, Oh, Hey, hurry. Like, I don't go up to people. Like I was always just kind of timid a little bit, but like the more I got to know someone or I was a couple around a group of people, I kind of shine more. And so Disney kind of got now you just walk up to people and go, we're friends now. No, I don't do that. But I mean, I am more nice to people now. So I've got, I want to be nicer to people, put it that way. Um, But it's more of like to have a conversation. And now I'm like, oh, hey. And I think when you mention Disney to anyone and this happens to you, it's like, oh my God, what was it like? Like you just mentioned the word working for Disney World and like people are just in awe of you no matter what. And this happened in even interviews and jobs. It's like, what was that like? You know, and I'm just like, oh, well, this and that, and this is what I learned, and it it goes a long way. So I always tell people, remember, like, having Disney on your resume is a golden, it's like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Like, it literally sets you up for anything. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it helps um, between getting a little street cred that you have Disney on your resume, and then, as you said, there are certain social skills that you acquire. Yeah. Um, one of the social skills, like... I can vaguely hold up a, a conversation with someone speaking another language. I, I had to pick up that skill and be able yeah. to walk them through the ordering process. I can do very basic things. Um, yeah. And now, now when it got advanced, I'd just be like, I, I need a friend. I need to phone a friend. And then <laughs> someone would come running over to help me out. Like Patricia, she'd come running to help me. But uh nice. But I can handle a basic level of conversation. And then, as you said, social skills as well, dealing with people. Yeah, you summed it up really, really well. So one more thing I want to talk about with your food and beverage experience in Adventureland is you said you want to discuss Thanksgiving, a particular uh, event. Yeah, it was that Thanksgiving, 2010. Now, you know, normally you think when you think of college, you think you go home for the holidays. You know, you go home with your family and you, you know, see friends and blah, blah. That doesn't happen at Disney. You know when you sign up during the fall advantage, it's just like you're going to be in every freaking holiday. So it's Halloween, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. Like you, you just sign up knowing that's what's going to happen. So I actually got lucky in this aspect. So I was I had to work Thanksgiving, but the trade-off was if I worked Thanksgiving, I didn't have to work Christmas. Now, don't ask me how I got away with this because most CPs don't get away with this. But somehow my boss let me off for Christmas and I was able to go home. <laughs> and I did not have to deal with Christmas at Disney, which was, I saw pictures and I was like, oh God, no, no. So Thanksgiving was interesting. So I'm also a Thanksgiving baby. My birthday's November 29th. So I'm always kind of like, love Thanksgiving, but obviously some people do or don't. They go from Halloween to mm-hmm. Christmas cases. And we were working at the parks. This is probably about 
I think the day of Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, maybe people will be with their families. Like, it won't be as busy. I'm just, just spitball off the top of my head. I'm like, oh, they won't be in a park. It's like, they might be at a resort with their family or go to a restaurant or, you know, you're not going to be in a theme park, right? No, I was really wrong about that. So I think by, let's see, the park she's open at the nine, eight or nine in the morning. I think by 10 a.m., I believe that day, if I can remember correctly, the park was at capacity. Now, we can't give out these numbers, but I can tell you capacity is like, a huge number of people where they just have to cut off the park. You can't let them. You're no going to be else bumping in. into other people's shoulders. Absolutely. You're going to be bumping into yes. a lot of other people. Yes. So I, and they had warned us that day to say, Hey guys, it's going to get busy. And I'm like, I'll be fine. No one's going to be here. Boy, do I tell you that day, I, I'd never seen so many people packed in a theme park of just, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean is maybe, I personally think it's maybe should be only a 30 minute wait for a ride. Thanksgiving Day, two-hour wait, just lines out the door. And so our restaurant was like a small restaurant, so it can't fit that many people. But our lines were like wrapped around, and we were record vigilance. If you walk down that pathway, you're into Frontierland, yeah, Frontierland, over by Pecos Bill, and people are waiting in line just to come in. Now, granted, the food was not that great. I don't know why they're waiting in line for it. But I just was like, this is crazy to me. And like, this many people are here, and I remember... <laughs> Oh, this is the funniest story. So it was a family I was with us, and this one little girl was with her dad, and they were ordering food. And the dad was, I mean, his dad was frantic. Like he had like three little girls. So I had more power to him. And he had one, the baby girl was on the leash. I'm really against leashes on kids, but I feel like in a park like Disney, you probably do need it because, you know, so many people. And this little girl, the dad forgot that he had his daughter. <laughs> So he's walking with the food, the plate of food that we got for him. He's walking, but if he gets about his daughter and she sadly trips, not hard, but just falls, and just drags her along. And all I see is this little girl just waving at me as she's getting dragged off the ground. I just was like, wow, this is not happening. This is not happening. So that gives nothing. Like, once again, being a parent at Disney, I don't know how you do it. Because, like, that's just, a, like, it's a lot. It was a lot. I just I wow. bothered my mind. It was hilarious. I mean, she apparently she had a good time, so it doesn't really matter. But once the dragon ended, she the, the day overall was really great. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, she there, there, except that I mean, one part. It doesn't one part, but you know what? She was just happy to be there. You know, the little five year old Sally. She was just happy to be there. So yeah, it was crazy. That's a that chill went, attitude. That was then that went on from uh, the park was up to capacity to about six or seven p.m. And it stayed busy for the most of the day. I I, just, I couldn't believe it. Wow. So yeah, no, those the holidays at the parks are no joke. No yes. joke at all. Yes, yes, yes. I will warn people: holidays. Yeah, crazy times. Uh, cool. So um, let's talk about the uh, food and wine fest. You got the opportunity yeah. to work that a little bit. Explain to people what that is first. Yeah. So the food and wine festival is the festival they have at Epcot, and it is a culinary adventure so i like to explain it um a <laughs> nice way of putting it or as let's say get drunk around the world um where they have different kiosks from around the world and they bring different foods i don't know anything about getting drunk around the world uh, i know nothing about that <laughs> yeah so because at the at the time i feel like i think you can't drink a magic game now but back at the time the other thing partial only partial can drink alcohol at. and so epcot was known for being the place to have 
you know, beverages at different countries. So food and wine was that. So they had different kiosks throughout the world showcase that you can try different foods from around the world. And every year would change. You know, they'll have pretty much the same um, countries, but like they, they'll change them up from place to time to time. So because I wanted to, um, and food and wine happened used to happen between um, the first week of October to the first week of November, I believe. Uh, it was only it used to be only six weeks. I think they expanded so much more now. Um, I wanted just I figured like I want to change the pace because I was working at the um, El Prado restaurant, but I also was like I just want to try as many things as I can. So they actually let us volunteer for it. So they were like, Hey, do you want to try food and wine? Not really knowing what it was, I heard about it. And I was like, Okay, I'll do it. And so me and my, all my friends, we all signed up for it together because we had once again had that bond. We we're like, Listen, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this together. So um, shipped us over to Epcot. Oh my God, the costumes. Oh my God. I, I did not know. <laughs> I do not understand how they thought wearing a white pants with white shoes and a very lo- loud white shirt with flags, which I get it, representing the world, was okay to work around food. Like, Brian, do you know that did not stay clean anytime soon? Like, a lot of food stains. That, like, that, Although I, I, I was hoping you had, like, they were going to put you in, like, a really European outfit. Like, that's what I was kind of, I, I was hoping that's where the story, like, some, the, like, what the yodelers wear. That's what I was hoping for. Like, the actual, the actual theme, like, every. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. So it could have been worse is what I'm telling story. you. Uh, well, yeah, it would have made better sense for the story. But no, they had us in the loudest costumes. And I think there's a picture if I find it somewhere. And I was just like, okay, this is interesting. But also what was great about that was that because um, the international CPs who were the kids who were representing the countries around World Showcase, who were actually from their actual countries who came over to work, we got the chance yeah. to interact with them. So it was more of a kind of a cultural kind of... Um, exploration and understanding from different points of view. So like we worked in, I know I've worked in Italy. I think I worked, I worked in Italy. Um, I worked in um, Japan. I think I worked in uh, Morocco and different kiosks that they put us at. And so we got to actually interact with the, with the actual cast members who are from those countries. And so we actually like have dialogue and conversation about what it's like growing up there. Like, what is it like? And like, what made you come here? And so that was such a great experience to kind of get that kind of cultural barrier, um, um, happening and, and learning from a different aspect of a different culture. Um, so that was really fun. And it was great because when it was over, because it was only, you know, when the park so park um, closed, uh, we got to eat the food. I mean, we weren't supposed to eat the food, but they're going to throw it away anyway. So I was like, listen, they're like, the chefs were like, I mean, just that, that should honestly be a crime against humanity. Right? Like, I, 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 I would never understand that they used to throw it away. And I was just like, oh, I, Maybe whatever sanitation rules, whatever case may be, I was like, oh, it's such a crime to humanity. And so the chefs would always be like, guys, just take it. It's fine. Maybe we just like scarf down food. So it, it was great. I mean, I mean, we couldn't drink alcohol, but you know, other than that, we just had all the food in the world. And I was like, so, it was such a cool experience. And it got to do. It. And then when you get to do it as just um, you know a guest in the park, even more fun. So you like you see all your friends. I made friends with the chefs because they brought the culinary program together inside along with the International College for Kids. So like all, actually all three of us are all working together from different aspects of the park. Pro tip, always befriend the people making the food. Exactly. So when I walked through World Show, because my friends like, oh, hey, Dak, how are you doing? You're not working here? I was like, oh, no. They're like, hey, here, take this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, it's always, it's always fun. So it was a great, really great experience. I'm really glad I got to do it. And it's actually one of the main 
reasons, because I'm actually leaving for Walt Disney World next week, um, is why I go back. Because the Food and Wine Festival is like the most amazing time of the year to go. Um, and of course, the Mickey's not so scary, but um, Food and Wine is definitely number one for that. And it's just a great experience that everyone should always, always make time to do. Yeah, but they they frown upon you drinking too much at Mickey's Not So Scary, but at the yeah. Epcot, that's the better place to be. I mean, I would probably suggest that more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now let me ask: um, the did you have like one particular like pavilion, like country pavilion that you were assigned to, or did you did they like um, rotate you throughout? No, they would rotate us. So they they broke it down. Sweet. They broke it down into three sections. I think the front half was the front half of World Showcase from like Mexico to China, and then from like the outpost to I think Italy, and then they would they would break it down each section. So I was normally in the first three zones, and that would have you go from those zones and those different kiosks through those zones. So they kept you kind of in there, but you had rotation, which was great because you weren't just stuck in the same kiosk every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to see the whole pavilion or you got to participate in all the foods, and Mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah, so we got a chance to rotate, which is like really awesome. Um, (laughs) One thing I do enjoy because we're you know backstage at the time, to get to pavilion pavilion, we had to take the little go-karts. And we had to sometimes run because one of the pavilion was out of food or water, whatever the case is. So we were kind of the runners sometimes. And so I don't know why. I just thought it was so much fun to be backstage and just on the carts and just like in a little go-karts like going across. It was like really fun. Obviously can't do it on stage, but it was the quickest way. And people were always like, how do you get here so fast? Disney magic. No, we said go-karts. Dang right. <laughs> um, now I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite child. Which, which oh, pavilion had the best food? Who, where are you uh, running to when you get to Epcot? Where's the first stop? Which 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 pavilion are you running to? God, bro, this is so hard. Well, it, okay, it's not hard. I know I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. I Okay, I love sushi. So I don't know why it's one of my favorite foods and Italian food. So I would always go to Japan and get whatever item they had. And usually they had like a sushi roll or tempura roll or something like that. And then they had, um, they always had like a sake, which is like really good all the time. Um, but the second runner up was a Brazil one. And the Brazil always had like a great um, chimichurri, like steak, skirt steak, uh, skirt steak on like, um, you know, on a stick. Um, that was really good. And then I think the third one would be Italy. And they just had really good food in Italy. Though everyone always says the steak in Canada is number one. I mean, no, it's fine. And the cheddar cheese soup, fine. Dropping all the hot takes today, Dak. I, well, I, listen, this is things that people will like talk. Like, th- there are people who would literally come up to us and be like, where's the place for us place to go? Or like, where should we get? I'm like, I, go here. I don't know. Like, this is what people know. I would say Le Cellier was probably probably number one on everyone's list as because you can never get a reservation at the restaurant at the time. And that's might have changed over the years, but because you couldn't get a reservation at the restaurant, they would serve the steak at the food and wine festival. And so people would always go there first to get it. And that line was always crazy. It was fine. But yeah. I think you uh you kind of just justified us to take a lunch break. <laughs> I know, right? Just making everyone hungry now. <laughs> um I think it'd be really funny if we could like cut away right now and then come back like eating mid mid bite. And just have like some steak right in front of us with like food and wine. Well, guys, 
That'd be really sweet, but I didn't get that idea until just now. So we're not going to do that. I'm sorry, everyone. Well, if you want to tell them food and wine is happening now, because apparently they expanded to 12 weeks. So it's been going on since, I think, end of September. Oh, she's sorry. I take that back. I think it's happening since August. And it's going until oh, like wow. mid-November. So if you have a chance during the 50th anniversary, make your way to Epcot. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your time being merchandise at Epcot. Yeah. Um, you know, something is something very magical about merchandise. I just never understood. Uh, and as you can probably see, half of my house is full of Disney merchandise. I don't know why I have it, but it's just, I have it. So I learned, number one golden rule I learned when I worked in merchandise. If you see a Disney merchandise item you love, and it's, it's special to you, or you feel it's some connection with cases, do not wait to get it. Because nine out of 10 chances you come back, it's gone, it's sold out, you're not getting it ever again. So that's number one, rule number one. Um, what I learned when I got to Future World, I used to work at the Figment of Imagination. I don't even remember where that ride was. next to Captain EO. So it was over in mm-hmm. World Showcase across from Soren. Um, that pavilion was the most annoying pavilion in the world. But the only reason because that music kept sticking in my head and I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. But uh, I learned that at the time, I don't think they do this anymore, they would have these green screens of um, pictures you can take with characters, um, of all Disney characters you can do with your family and whatever the case may be. And um, I remember that one of our, our roles was the merchandise and selling merchandise and Captain EO, Figment mer- um, merchandise, and then these photos we had to sell. And it just was so crazy what you can do with a green screen. And so we would just make these photos. And sometimes some of these photos were amazing. Uh, sometimes <laughs> they were very um, interesting. And what I learned from Disney photo imaging was that there's certain things you can't do in a Disney photo. You can't flip someone mm-hmm. off. You can't like show your bare butt. I mean, you would think these things you don't want to do, but you'd be surprised what people try to do. And so you have to people, like... People will pitch some oh, ideas. Oh, yeah. People I'm like, will pitch some ideas. And you had to be said in the most polite, nice way. Um, No, <laughs> you can't do that. So we learned a lot through that aspect. But I, what I did also like was we were part of uh, Future World... Um, West, we also had Soren, which was like the living with the land area. And we had a little kiosk outside of um, uh, Soren. I used to love that only because I just sit back, just watch the line for Soren. I'm like, wow, it's a two hour wait. They must love this ride. And people were like, oh my God, the line is long. I'm like, yeah, all the time, all the time. That pavilion during like the food and merchandise next to us too. That line was always crazy. But the most funnest part was when I worked at Nemo. So the, the Finding Nemo Turtle Talk area. Oh, so you also got a little, like, um, I don't want to say global because it wasn't the entire park, but you did get yeah. to rotate a bit through a few different locations. We did, yeah. So when you were Future World West, you worked those. You worked the land, the seas, and the Imagination Pavilion. So those were the main ones you would, like, move around. And then obviously sell, like, the, the glow sticks and, you know, things for the kids and things like that. And I think when I worked at the Nemo ride, what I thought was so great was how much kids, and this is the power of plush. I was like, that kids just love like just plush animals. Like they don't even care. Like it could be a worn down raggedy thing, you know? And, and I try to think back to my child. I'm like, did I ever have a plush that I really love? I'm trying to think, I'm like, I did have a Kermit. So I really did love Kermit. So Aww. I can see that. But these kids would see Nemo and just go crazy. And like, it was so crazy. The parents were like, we're not buying it. You don't need this. And like, 
the meltdown kids would have after come off that ride and they couldn't get a Nemo plush, like th- they would go crazy. Like it was just, it was that, it was the Bruce, the, the shark, they had Bruce and it had Crush. So people always wanted Crush. And so it was like Nemo, Crush or Bruce. Those are all the plushes we sold all the time. And kids just had to have it. And what I, what I love and also hate about Disney is outside of every attraction, there's a merchandise shop. And so in one way or another, it's going to stick to your head. And you want to take something back from it. And so I really thought that was really cool that, at that aspect of like to see that that was something that's made a kid just smile. You know, just a simple like plush toy. You're like, wow, this is something. And just made their day. Yeah, my nieces are starting to become aware that, uh, that I will get them whatever plush they want. <laughs> and they're starting to use that against me, mainly Riley over Kayla, but they they are yeah. starting to realize I'm weak. It's true. And I got my little cousin when she came to visit. She was probably uh, two, I think, at the time. Um, and my friend worked in guest relations, and she was like, oh, my God, get her this plush, blah, 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 blah. Like, we had things called magical moments. You always could, like, give mm-hmm. something nice. And my my older her mom my older cousin she was like oh she doesn't need that she's not going to use it and it turned out when i ended up getting her that it was a big mickey plush she was like two she kept that thing until she was like six like she would never leave it by her side like she would always have that plush wherever she goes and my cousin was like she never gave that up and she kept thinking because to her it was like something i gave her and something we we were kind of connected on she knew that you know i worked at disney and so it was something that meant something to her like she always kept it so i think of these things like these are what kids remember and like when they think about their experience and i think that's kind of cool that like kids can remember those things and have those uh memories with them and that's the thing i think is so great about merchandising like and and it could be like a shirt it just brings back memories or something or a family time you had um I can't tell you, Brian, how many shirts I bought from every event at Disney, like Halloween parties, Christmas parties. And then I look at my closet, I'm like, do you even wear these anymore? But at the time, I thought they were cool, you know? And there's some of them are memorable and some I just keep, it's just a keepsake, you know? Because once again, once you have it- There's a memory attached. Yeah, I mean, it always brings up a story. Like someone's like, oh, you bought that Haunted Mansion shirt. Like, where did you get that from? I was like, like, oh, I remember when I went to Haunted Mansion, I got that. And yeah, that was the day that they had this and that. And so- and this could be with any merchandise, but I feel like with Disney merchandise, you're right. There's always a story, some kind of connection with it. And it's just something that all, you'll always remember no matter what. And I think I still to this day, I do the same thing. I'm like, I always say I'm not going to buy something. But now that Disney owns Marvel, it makes it a lot harder for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I really don't need it. But then I'm like. I hear you. Just bought a Spider-Man shirt last week. Do I need it? No. But I went and bought it anyway. I need more Spider-Man shirts personally, but <laughs> we each walk our own paths. We do. Um, we do. do you have like a little favorite trinket that holds a special memory? Huh. That's a good question. Oh, I do. I used to keep a lot of pins. So pin training was a thing and I think it's still mm-hmm. a thing. I remember I have pins from um, the 30th anniversary of um, Epcot. And so they had a special t-shirt, they had a special lanyard, and that was one of the things I kept. And then I also did um, the uh, holidays. I, I was I sung in the choir when they did the holiday showcase at Epcot. And so they gave us a special pin and certificate um, for doing that. And I did that two years in a row. And that was kind of special and awesome. Plus, I got to see next to like Whoopi Goldberg. And I think I did John and Groff was there too. So that was kind of close because I can almost touch them. But I didn't. But wow. I so you're best. <laughs> So you're best friends now is what you're trying to say. I mean, in my, in my head, we are in my head, in my head. Yeah. What was the influence of this program on your life? Was there a ripple effect? Was there uh, 
Well, how, how did this experience influence you moving forward? Um, you know, I think it goes like we talked about earlier. I, I think it taught me to be more aware of who I am. Um, it taught me to be more open. Um, and it taught me the power of friendship and connectivity and how to just live your authentic self, you know. Um, I will say there are some people who are like diehard Disney fans. And I respect it to a T because I don't think I could ever mm-hmm. be that person. But I, I respect the, uh, how authentic they are about it and, and their love of it. And you saw cast members who worked there who just love being there. And I think there's not many jobs you can say that people can do that, you know, um, and be there for so many years and love it. So I think now being part of the Disney mafia, I can't say that, but it feels that way. Um, <laughs> you, um, you kind of have this connectivity with friends and family um, I say my family because I would always see my family when I was in Florida. They'd come visit me. My mom would come down and, you know, we have family trips. And now it's like a family trip that we do now. And so um, it just brought like happiness and togetherness, you know. Um, And I think it just taught me career wise um, just how to be more more assertive with what I wanted in my career. Um, Because when I left Disney, I went to hospitality and I worked for Starwood Hotels for about a year. And... um, did that and I just learned so much about customer service, how to talk to people, how to have patience with people. Because the fact that you never see people get upset at Disney boggles my mind. You know they want to, like you know, I mean, you know they want to, but you never see it happen. And it's just a testament to like the great customer service they have. And I think that has stuck with me through any job I've ever had, any level of career I've had, I just don't get a really hot head. I mean, I'm also from California, so we're just already laid back anyway. But I think a lot of it was I just taught you how to just learn to be more optimistic and more understanding and be more empathetic. I guess the med- that's the main word to go. Yes. Disney has taught you how to be more empathetic to people's situations. Now, granted, now some people are just crazy and then some things you can't help. But then some people just, just literally just had a bad day or just are tired or have kids that they're dragging around on a leash. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, the thing is that it's once again, being a theme park all day with a family power to you because I do it with my mom sometimes and I love her, but she drives me crazy and I can only do so much, but it's like, it just teaches you so much. And so I think taking the experience now has really bled into a lot of my career and a lot of my jobs and aspects of where I want to be. And it's helped me as a person grow as well, too. Um, and it's an experience I would just never take back. And it's, it's an experience I'm glad I did. You know, I was very, obviously, as I told you beginning, and I said, no, I didn't want to do it. But I think I would have missed out on such a grand opportunity to make such amazing friends, have great experiences, and just be a better person in the end. And I'm very thankful um, for that aspect of it, for doing it. And I think anyone who does a program, um, good or bad, listen, take the good with the bad. It's all a learning experience. Uh, but I feel like your good is going to outweigh your bad at some point, And it's going to be a lifelong journey you can always cherish. The only thing I add is, uh, yeah, no, the program gave me the patience of a monk, of like a Buddhist monk. <laughs> like I just, yes, yes. I can just patiently wait through any hostile situation yeah. and wait for it to de-escalate. I'm very good at de-escalation now. That is true. That is very, that, that is very, very true. Yes. I agree with that. Cool. All right. Um, I think that will wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time. Dad. Yeah. This has course. been a lot of fun. 
It has been fun. You know what's funny? Side note, I look back at our text messages. For some reason, I'm a creep and I keep all our text messages from like years. Do you remember we had a whole text chain about a luggage I let you borrow and like it took you forever to get back to me? You probably don't remember this, but I literally looked through this text chain and like we had a whole conversation about a luggage that I let you borrow. And you kept saying you give it back. I mean, you finally did, but I was like, I can't believe this is what we talked about half the time about a luggage that we just never got back to each other. The most hilarious shit ever. I once again, Disney magic and <laughs> things that come together that make no random sense. And you're just like, huh, those are the things we used to talk about. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'll, I'll you know, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. And you'll just be like, wow, we, we talked about this. Okay, that's that's great. I don't remember this, but I do believe you. <laughs> Funny story. I borrowed a white collared shirt for a film festival I won yeah. recently, about two weeks ago. I still need to return it. It's in my closet. <gasps> I, I swear I'm going to give it back to him on Monday. See, Brian, I this swear. Be, I think this is, might be a habit you have. You still don't know. <laughs> I need to get better. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a bug in me that Disney did not fix. <laughs> but I don't know if it's exactly their fault. It may not be, but it's, it's hilarious nonetheless. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you for uh, pointing out. Thank you for pointing out my character flaw to the audience. <laughs> um, they're going to learn about many back. more of them. The, the story, the moral story is you did bring it back. So at some point in the text chain, you did bring it back. So it took a while, I, but you did I bring eventually it back. become a good person. You do. Yes. Is the you do receive moral of the story. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Oh. All right. Thank you so much, Dak. Yeah, thank you. And best of luck on everything. Really, truly. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you again to Dak for joining us. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And also email us at livingthedreamofficialpodcast.gmail.com if you have a story you'd like to share with us. That's all for this time, and I'll see you all again real soon. Living the Dream podcast executive producers are Nick Light, Brian McDevitt Jr., and Julia Sola. It's engineered and edited by Julia Sola. Show music provided copyright-free by The Poisoned Youth. Thank you for listening. <laughs>